back to the Weekly Impact Podcast, everybody. It is Tuesday. The 31st. The 31st of July. July, yes. <laughs> um, and uh, Summer is flying by. It really it is. is. It's crazy how fast it's going. <laughs> um, you know, Nicole, being a teacher, we were just talking last night. She has two weeks left till she has to start reporting to school again. It's always like such a sad time to know that summer's <laughs> That's over. Unfortunate. More for her than me, obviously, right. because she's completely like, off for the summertime yeah. and she's like, Oh, it's drawing to a close. But it's been an awesome summer. We've mm-hmm. we've had a lot of great things happen and um um off that subject. Back to the podcast. <laughs> Today I am joined as usual by uh, Jacob Kingsley and Daniel Yelverton. We're kind of the three Amigos. Regulars, maybe. the three <laughs> you, amigos. You can say that. Hey, we hey, can be amigos. Hey, hey. <laughs> um, uh, to our older audience. Yeah. Hi. I've, good to see you guys. <laughs> I've seen the movie. Have you? Hello. Have you seen it? Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. My parents are a big Steve Martin fan. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you were raised Ooh. right. Yeah. All right. So anyway, today we Shout are out to the on. <laughs> um, yeah, we're on Acts twenty-three. Mm-hmm. But um, to get a little more context on what this chapter is about today, we're going to throw it over to Daniel here in just a second, and he's going to give us a little bit more of a background on where we are, what's happening, and we're actually going to start on the last part of um, Acts 22 going into 23 today to really set it up and to get the full picture. So, Daniel, go ahead and take it away if you would. Yeah, sure. So, like, we're beginning, I guess, the saga of the courtroom dramas that's going to happen kind of at the end of Acts uh, here with uh, Paul and uh, going from uh, place to place all the way, ending up eventually in Rome, even though we don't get the courtroom drama when he's actually in Rome. Uh, So this is uh, Paul just got arrested in uh, uh, Jerusalem. And so we're starting kind of from when he uh, is meeting before the counselor. So that would be, I guess, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, correct? Correct. Yeah. Speaking of, can I can I just ask real quick? The diff- they explain it a little bit in here, but for, I mean, even myself, I, I don't know exactly what the difference is between a Sadducee and a Pharisee. And I didn't know if we could maybe explain that real quick, if you guys know. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that the, the saying that... The uh, Sadducees didn't believe in the afterlife, so they're sad. You see, right? They didn't. They didn't believe in the resurrection. That's so right. that's a that's big right. difference. So both of them could work in the temple. Pharisees um, also could interchange almost as as priests sometimes, but they were also like lawyers, and so they were you know studiers of the law and what God had had talked about in the Old Testament through the prophets. The Sadducees as well, but they disagreed primarily on is there an afterlife. And the Sadducees said there wasn't. Yeah. And you can kind of see that in the courtroom drama that Paul kind of plays off of the differences between uh, their two, their, their I guess, the, the differences of their beliefs. Yeah. And uh, Pharisees is, is kind of a, it's a newer thing on the stage of Judaism, I would say. It's something that came point. after mm-hmm. uh, all the exile. Uh, and a lot mm-hmm. of that had to do with the fact that uh, they saw the exile as a result of the disobedience, and so the Pharisees were kind of like, we're going to make sure that our society follows all mm-hmm. of the rules. And so that was one of the reasons why they were in such conflict with Jesus, because Jesus was revealing the heart behind the rules, and they were so focused on the rules, and they interpreted the Sabbath and different things like that. And so that yeah. that was uh, that's kind of a little history lesson mm-hmm. of the, for the Pharisees. Yeah, and, and uh, one other thing, too, that we didn't specifically state on, although you said that the Sadducees don't believe in the afterlife, Correct. therefore they also believe that there is zero possibility of a resurrection and, and right. that kind of stuff, where the Pharisees do. They just don't believe that Jesus is the one to fulfill that. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Didn't mean to. So, and I guess just to, to give kind of context, you could say that there are dedicated apostles to spreading the gospel, and and these are their stories. 
Insert. It's definitely the Law and Order scene right now. Right. Uh, that's that's it, where that comes from. This is a pretty juicy chapter we're about to get into yeah. as well, man. There's like there's so much stuff that's like a courtroom drama to where really even they, some people get upset and like 40 dudes plot we're not going to eat or drink until we kill this Spoiler guy. Spoiler like, alert. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy. So just know that we're going to get into some, some no cool stuff. Way. That actually happened? Bring some life to the story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also, um, one of the things that we're going to try differently is uh, you may recognize we do two verses at a time. Uh, now, since just to kind of keep the story uh, flowing, we're just going to go like paragraphs at a time through the ESV. So you might notice a little bit of the difference. And uh, also, shout out to uh, Ernie Mierke, right? Am I getting that right? Mierke. Mierke. Dang it. You just know, try it again. I know. My boy Ernie. Ernie, uh, <laughs> thank you so much just for listening to the podcast. And we uh, really appreciated your feedback. It encourages us so much to know that. Uh, it's being impactful and being uh, instrumental in people's lives. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for that encouragement, man. Yeah, it does, and it helps us, too, um, figure out how to do this better. Absolutely. So thank you very much. For anybody out there listening, we would love to get your feedback. So thank you, Ernie, for stepping up and doing that. Mm -hmm. All right, so we're going to start in Acts 22, verse 30. So it's the very end of uh, the chapter, and then we'll switch over to 23. So mm -hmm. Acts 22, verse 30, Paul before the council. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down and set him before them. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now, when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply. We find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage. For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. A plot to kill Paul. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than forty who had made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have strictly bound ourselves to an oath to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Now therefore you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you, 
as though you were going to determine his case more exactly. And we are ready to kill him before he comes near. Now the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush. So he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul called out one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the tribune, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul, the prisoner called me and asked me to bring you this young man, and he has something to say to you. The tribune took him by the hand and was going aside and asked him privately, What is it that you have to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow, as though they are going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. But do not be persuaded by them, for more than forty of their men are lying in ambush for him, who have already bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man, charging him, Tell no one of what you have informed me of these things. Paul sent to Felix the governor. Then he called two of the centurions and said, Get ready two hundred soldiers, with seventy horsemen and two hundred spearmen, to go as far as Caesarea the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter to this effect. Claudius Lysias, to his excellency the governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman citizen. And desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their counselor. I found that he had been accused about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving death or imprisonment. And when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. So the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. And on the next day they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go on with him. When they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. On reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. When he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Heron's praetorium. And that is Acts chapter 23. So before we started reading this chapter, Brent, you even gave some spoilers. I won't hold that against you about what we are going to be reading about. So you mentioned courtroom drama. After reading this chapter, what are kind of those some of those pivotal moments just from observing that is that courtroom drama? I found it interesting and very bold that Paul, in the beginning, he spoke out against um, whoever was calling him out. What was it? A Pharisee? Mm-hmm. Um that he said, you know, basically like, God will strike you down, you know, <laughs> you whitewashed wall. Like, yeah. I was like, whoa, <laughs> he's, uh, he's squaring up on this guy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then I don't know exactly. I wanted to ask you guys for, um, when they, they said, why, you know, why are you talking to him like that? He's the high priest or whatever it mm-hmm. is. Was he being sincere when he said, I shouldn't have spoke to him like that because it says not to do that. Or was he being facetious almost in a way because, <laughs> This guy has no authority over me. He, I think he had to be a little sassy mm-hmm. in this time because tongue in cheek. The, the tongue in cheek, absolutely. But first of all, Pharisees and Sadducees dressed 
very differently to let people know their standing, to let people know that they were set apart, to let people know that they knew that they were holier than other people. And the chief priest is in charge of all of these Pharisees. Like he is the dude. And so he even was required by Old Testament law to wear certain things. Mm -hmm. Paul was a Pharisee for so long, and it could have even be this, be the same chief priest as when he was a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard because I'm almost like, Paul, you're lying (laughs) because there's no way that he could have not known, especially in this whole situation, how the courtroom, the chief priest would have been the one to address him. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, all right, Paul. And I think, I think maybe what he's trying to get at is to, to drive home to the chief priest that he isn't more holy than other people mm. that he based on his heart he he doesn't have just special standing before mm. god you know and he's like well god's gonna strike you and you aren't exempt from that just because you think you hold this position and yeah he does call him a whitewashed wall which is like essentially calling him a hypocrite yeah. calling him a, a cover-up and you know good for nothing mm. yeah I also love the uh, how he recognizes immediately the audience, and so he's just like, "Yeah, I believe in the resurrection. That's why I'm on trial." And then the Pharisees are like, "Oh, I, we got to defend this guy now because that, <laughs> right. that, that's what we believe in." And so they're like, "Pharisees, are like, oh, there's nothing wrong with him." And then the Sadducees are like, "What are you talking about?" And so they begin to argue and bicker, mm-hmm. which is is so funny to me when you think about like how we can get so wrapped up in like these these things these little things these little differences and then we mm-hmm. will defend them to like the the teeth to yeah. the yeah to the death or, or like and they totally miss the point they're putting Paul on trial and then they end up kind of just being in conflict with each other and not being right. able to resolve so i just i think that's pretty brilliant right. paul on the on the surface it almost reminds me of like a sibling interaction where you did something <laughs> wrong to your siblings and they both come to your parent but then you see something that'll get them to fight. And so you just like say that one thing and all of a sudden they're fighting each other and you just get to walk out of the room. But I think too, Paul is, is so smart because he really does realize what's happening here because he is on trial because he is preaching that Jesus is alive, Mm -hmm. which by saying that he is saying Jesus is God, which Mm -hmm. is why Jesus was killed. Right. And so he is on trial for that and he recognizes that if this group can't agree whether someone can even be raised from the dead, they can't actually try him. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, he is just like kind of stirring them up in dissension, but like he's no fool. You know, the Sadducees, if they 100% just say there is no resurrection, then of course they aren't going to believe him. But if the Pharisees say there is a resurrection, then there's a possibility that Jesus really did rise from the dead. Mm-hmm. And so they have to get that sorted out before they can even address what he has been doing with his life. Yeah. And I mean, they even say here, the Pharisees say, we find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or an animal spoke to him? Yeah. Um, and, and But the part that really like... Angel. Or, I'm sorry, what did I say? <laughs> <He> animal. An- <laughs> uh, yeah. Could have been a dog. <laughs> you yeah. never know. There, there are talking donkeys in the Bible, so... That is true. So it could have been... <laughs> A talking donkey. It could have been. It's, mm-hmm. it's a scene from Shrek. <laughs> donkey. <laughs> we digress. Yeah. <laughs> like quite a bit. I know, exactly. So 
<laughs> the the very next part of this is I find it interesting because they get in what sounds like a brawl in the courtroom. It says when it turned violent, yeah. right? Um, and when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded that he be, he'd be taken away because they're afraid that he's going to be killed right there. Literally, yeah. Like that's just crazy. That's like they're throwing elbows drama. there. You know, they're they're taking low blows, and they're like. <laughs> I mean, he literally is like, I'm scared that they might start pulling at Paul and literally rip him apart. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's it's such ridiculous. a there's such a digression for the uh, judicial and ruling council in Jerusalem at this time. Like, they are not following any of the regulations that Moses handed down when it mm-hmm. came to like fair trials and things like yeah. this. So, like, you see this even from Jesus all the way to like Stephen and different guys like that are coming. To, they are doing things that they are not supposed to be able to do through their law and so you can just see it's just getting worse and worse Mm -hmm. as far as like there's no paul knows there's no opportunity for a fair trial that there's not anything that's going to work out in this way and and i think the the comforting thing is that you see that god has already have a has a bigger plan going on in the background and i think that's such a hinge verse and such a powerful verse in verse 11 where it says that when the lord stood by him which I think is also really right. an amazing statement. Stood mm-hmm. by him and said, "Take courage, you know, for you will, as you've testified this in Jerusalem, you're going to testify in Rome." And mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge. That's mm-hmm. a big deal that he is going to go testify in Rome. The center of everything in this world is Rome. Yeah, and he is going to bring the good news of the gospel to Rome. And so I think this gives Paul mm-hmm. not. It gives Paul courage and confidence in right. what God is doing in this situation. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, think about your how your mindset would change. You're in jail. People were about to rip you in half. So you're not sure about what, what's going to happen with this trial anyway. And then all of a sudden, the Lord tells you, you're going to go do this in Rome, which mm-hmm. assures that you're going to make it through this one. Right. So then how you act for the rest of this trial hinges very much on that statement. Mm-hmm. I think, too, it's interesting that one, I agree with you, Daniel, the, the statement of, and the Lord stood by him. The, the Lord has spoken to people multiple times in Acts, and it says the Lord spoke to them, but in this situation it says the Lord stood by him. Mm-hmm. And so I think that carries a lot of significance that we can unpack too. But then he says, take courage. He doesn't say, you're innocent and I will acquit you. Testifying in Rome is honestly, even though we see the Jews and the Pharisees and Sadducees in a very violent state testifying in Rome in the imprisonment that would happen in the journey there was daunting and scary, mm-hmm. you know? And even though in terms of the world and civilizations to that point, Rome had one of the most advanced legal systems, they still crucified people, you know, mm-hmm. um, obviously. And so it's not on the surface, a comforting thing. It's almost like, you know, you're being tried you know, by our courts in, you know, Clinton or Claremont County. And and God speaks to you and says, don't worry. Don't be afraid. You're going to go to the Supreme Court. You're like, I don't think that's better. <laughs> but again, it's seeing God's plan mm-hmm. in that for Paul that I think is what gives him courage. And so in, in application, if we only take courage by when we escape situations, mm-hmm. It's not going to be a very well-rounded courage. 
It's not going to be a courage that can come to us and we can take hold of even in the darkest night. Mm -hmm. That we have to have courage and take courage because we know that God is standing by us and he has a plan for us, even if that plan is that our life is going to look worse before it gets better. Mm -hmm. I think that's why a lot of people look at Christians and think that they're weird or crazy because we just have a different perspective on things a lot of times. Obviously, you have to grow more in mm-hmm. that perspective of having courage through everything um, because some circumstances are scarier than others. But, um, man, I know that when I became a believer, like it just changed so much of how I see the world. Mm-hmm. And it made certain circumstances that I always looked at, like, I hope I never get into that. More like, well, if I get into it, I know that whatever happens, in the end, I'll be okay. Yeah. You know? And Absolutely. I, and I think the standing next to is just so powerful. And the other time that I see in Acts is actually when Stephen is getting ready to be stoned. And he says that he looks up into heaven and he sees Jesus standing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you always see Jesus sitting by on, on the right side of God, but he's standing in that moment. It's almost like an ovation, you know. And so mm-hmm. I think there's a part where the Lord is standing and stood next to Paul. And he's just like, it, it brings it so much like closer. It brings the situation and his comfort, his help, his strength, his perseverance in the situation so much closer when someone's standing right next to you as mm-hmm. opposed to when somebody's maybe calling you on the phone and trying to give you encouragement, but somebody's standing right next to you giving encouragement. I feel like there's such a there's such a personal touch to that and I just love seeing that character quality mm-hmm. of God as he's encouraging Paul, knowing that God knows the journey that's ahead of him. And we right. will find out it is a very daunting journey and it ultimately will end in Paul's execution. Mm-hmm. But this is the Lord is standing next to him in the Absolutely. process. And so I think in that present moment, Paul can take so much courage. And as we go into application about all of these things, it's we get that same comfort. We get that same, um, uh, I guess, ability with the power of the Holy Spirit to have God with us always encouraging mm-hmm. us and giving us comfort despite the situation. Right. I think it's it's interesting just the direct contrast that then happens. So Paul is taking courage in the Lord, and then there are these 40 men that are taking oaths in what they believe is in the spirit of the Lord mm-hmm. to not eat or drink until Paul is dead. And it's like, it's almost comical. I know it's not because like they're literally trying to kill somebody and murder isn't comical. Um, but like they go and they're, I just like see them all like waddling together and they're like all walking around. They're like in this little holy huddle and they've come up with this plan. It's like so great. And they're like, how can this not go our way? Mm-hmm. First of all, like who are these 40 people and could they only get 40 people? That's a little embarrassing. Come on guys. Um, <laughs> but then they like go and the chief priests even are going along with it, yeah. you know? And they're like, their mission is to deceive and they have to get all these other people in and they have this whole plan. And like, it, it seems kind of well thought out. If, if Paul's nephew wasn't there, it, it probably would have happened. But it's just like, again, it, it's more drama. These people that are so bent on killing Paul. And, and you kind of just have to ask, like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, why did people want Paul dead so badly? Mm. I. I was just going to say it, it almost has a parallel to today's world with politics and things like that, where so many people, they, there's no question in their mind that they're right, where mm-hmm. you always have to leave a door open for the fact that I could be wrong. I mm-hmm. could have the wrong perspective on this. I think that there's just a, there's a, 
an aspect to that open-mindedness that is always going to keep things more even keel and always help you find the truth in the end. And I think when people make up their mind so much that they are right, that they're willing to go and join together and go kill somebody, there's just danger in that. And I don't think that's ever of God. I don't, yeah. I mean, obviously yeah. it's never of God. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think also side note, I've always been curious, like how committed were they to this? Oh, that's because, what I was just like, going to say. Know. Like, they, who was the first like, person to give in? Yeah. Were they like, okay, obviously we can't kill Paul. He's got like a legion with him. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe we'll just hit up the Wendy's on the way home or something like that. You know, I mean like <laughs> nice yeah, four how, for four. Yeah. How does that, yeah. How does that work? But I, I think what's also it's interesting to see here is that, you see, Paul's confidence and hope is in the main thing, and it's in the right thing. And you see two instances uh, from rulers and from just like, I guess, 40 common people that we don't really know about where their hope is in the wrong thing. And they're so fanatical about the wrong thing and that it drives them to do like irrational things. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's a that's a that's a heart condition when it can come to us as people that we can get so fixated on what we think we need and what we think is right and we just lose all sight of the main thing of the main hope paul was very confident in the hope of jesus and the resurrection and that that was all he needed to have his hope in and i feel like that when we lose sight of that when the pharisees and the sadducees were so bickering about their small little things that they wanted to wanted to see come to pass or these 40 guys that said like Paul has to die you know this is this or like the world is going to collapse you know you have all of these kind of like just like this right. they've they've lost all sense of like uh, of direction and purpose because they've become so fixated on this mm-hmm. one thing and and I think that's not something uncommon to all humanity right because you'll see this and I even know this in my own life and I've even seen it in the way I've used God I've used God to get something that I feel like is I need to have I want to have. And so they're using this kind of religious piety to say like, hey, this is going to be like really religious of us to take this oath before the, right. the chief priests and the Pharisees to kill this guy because this has to happen. You know, and we, I can even turn that and say like, God, I really need you just to come through with this. This has to happen. If this doesn't happen, all of these things, I'll do all of these things, God. I will give up all of this stuff just for you, just if I can get this. And just like these people, we can make the main thing or the thing that we think is going to like set balance to the world or make our, uh, satisfy our hearts or whatever it is. And it's not, whenever it's not Jesus, you know, it's going to lead to all of these terrible consequences. You know, who knows what happens to these guys? We don't know. They're just the 40 Withered dudes. away and died. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, but, but, and I don't know. So I think for me, that's, that's something that sticks out to me is that Paul's confidence in, in Jesus and the resurrection and how that made him so much more, uh, said in the right direction, have such a right perspective, and you see the irrational behavior of people that have or uh, that are focused on the wrong thing or that are fixated mm-hmm. on the wrong thing. And so, I, I don't know. So that for yeah. me is such a personal thing because I know whenever I start s- self-sabotaging or acting out in an irrational way, it's usually because I've made the wrong thing the main thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we have a little side conversation real quick? Yeah. Um, because this is talking about God's perspective and, and having it, you know, that's always the right perspective is God's perspective. Um, so I don't know if you guys struggle with this at all, but a lot of times when it comes to prayer, especially in a group setting, like mm-hmm. leading worship, I'm always praying during rehearsal and stuff like that. Um, I pray, almost find myself praying for like how I would hope things go and asking God to provide for that and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But in the end, I almost feel like every prayer that I ever 
say is trumped by in the end, I just want his will to be done. Mm-hmm. So it almost makes me feel like, should I ever pray anything except for your will be done? Because above all else, I can want this to happen. I can want that to happen. I can feel like you're leading me into these things. And then in the end, I'm just like, but right. if that's not your will today, I want your will to be done. So I always kind of struggle with that. It almost feels like all I need to say is just, God, your will above ours will right. do what you want to do. We're here. I think I have kind of two thoughts. One, I think that attitude and prayer of your will be done is essential. And I mean, when Jesus is, he's teaching his disciples how to pray, he even says, you know, pray, give us this day our daily bread. It's not wrong to pray for things. And so God wants to hear our heart. You know, God knows our perspective, but he wants to hear our perspective. I don't think it's wrong to pray for healing Mm -hmm. um, for people. I don't think it's wrong to pray for outcomes of things, but I do think that that mentality of at the end, it's your will be done. Um, And I think another part of prayer that I'm learning a lot about is how to pray in faith Mm -hmm. and saying, God, you are going to do this. Your power is at work at this situation. And maybe I don't know the outcome, but I know you are working here. So let me see it. Mm. A thought that I just had, too, about that is sometimes I feel like we can just think of prayer as asking. It's Mm. like we need something, we ask for it, Mm. we pray. But then that's what limits prayer, too. Like Mm. prayer is only only in that time when we're in need of something. And so then, and and I uh, was meeting with somebody the other day, and we were talking about, just uh, enjoying the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that prayer is about a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I, if, a, if I have a conversation with you and all you do is tell me everything that you want and then you say, all right, but you, you decide. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to you later. And then that's <laughs> it. And then, um, and then that's, that's all you talk about every yeah. time. Every time you call me, like, this is what I want. This is what I want. This would be really cool. This would be really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, hey, you just decide for me, and then I'll see you later. Yeah. You know, I mean, kind of like you see where I'm saying as far as like mm-hmm. prayer isn't always just about just a uptick line to God to say, all right, here's what I really need. Go ahead and come through. But, hey, if, you, if it doesn't happen, then I'll just kind of say, all right, well, your will be done, you know, and hopefully yeah. you're, you're going to do what's mm-hmm. going on here. And, and I think that there's – there's value in us absolutely saying your will be done because it's a trust aspect. It's a trust aspect that God is going to going to answer our prayers in a way that's going to be beneficial for us, but also beneficial for his kingdom mm-hmm. above all else and his glory. Yeah. Uh, but I think also that we get kind of pigeonholed when prayer is only about asking God for things sure. and not necessarily just, it can be a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be just opening the conversation and saying, God, here's, here's what's going on in my life right now. Here's some of the things that I'm kind of thinking about. What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. You know, what what or even like flip it and just say, "Hey God, what's what's breaking your heart today?" You know, right. what are some things that are like that you see going on that you would love for me like I could, that I could participate in mm-hmm. or that I could be around. You know, like and engaging right. in like think of prayer as a conversation, not just like a a wish list to Santa. You right. know what I mean? Sure. And there are times even when I'm praying where I even started off and I say, okay, God, I'm not going to ask you for anything. This isn't going to be that kind of a prayer today. Just, I just want to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you for what you do, for right. who you are, for what you've done for me, for us. Um, but I think, too, in worship, it's kind of the same thing. It's not always just um, worshiping to a song at church. It's mm-hmm. living a life of worship, right. like a little bit of a broader perspective of it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I didn't mean to... No, you're fine. I think when you were talking, Daniel, something even clicked in my mind I hadn't really... Um, thought through, and I, first of all, really love where this conversation has gone. Um, but is God's will going to be done? Yeah. A- yes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so why do we pray? Why, 
why, and I'm just even asking myself this question, why do I pray that God's will would be done if it, it is? And so I think there's there's something one of what prayer does inside of us. I don't think God gave and allowed prayer to exist because he has, you know, a prayer box and he empties it each day. He's like, okay, I need to know what the people I love are saying. I do think that there's something about that communing with God inside of us that is mm-hmm. so important in prayer. Mm-hmm. And and there are times where there will be requests. You know, the Bible and Paul writes to to present your requests to God. Oh, absolutely. You know, with prayer and thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't want anybody to leave discouraged that they have prayed to God and asked for things. But I don't think pray and ask should be synonyms. Yeah, I think, like it's only only yeah. times you pray. I think you my ask. life can make those synonyms mm-hmm. if people looked at it. And so I think, you know, what you're saying to or to, I forget which one of you who I just pointed to, but, you know, to say in prayer, ask God, what breaks your heart? Mm-hmm. God, show me how your will will be done. Yeah. Show me how you are moving. And again, that's a request, but it's because we want to see the vision of God in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think God wants to hear from us. And so if you don't know how to pray and you're like, well, all I've ever done is, is ask. And you're like, should I just not pray? No pray and just ask ask to see the heart of god yeah you know if that's where you're at and and i think you you make a you we could open a huge can of worms <laughs> when it comes to why pray because like god already knows what's going to happen and his will is already <laughs> going to be done um and so to not go down that sure. <laughs> very long theological <laughs> rabbit trail uh but i think it brings up a a great point because I guess we can see, we can be so narrow-minded when it comes to uh, interacting with God, whether it's prayer or fasting or tithing or doing like different things like that that we put together as like, or even reading the Bible as like spiritual disciplines. And we can kind of like hope that they will be a means to an end. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like we'll, and we'll manipulate them a little bit. And I'm the first to admit that that's happened in my own heart where I really want something to happen and I will you know, think of an opportunity to maybe manipulate God to get what I want. And that's obviously not the right way to interact with God. And fortunately, he's very patient with us in the process of, of learning what it is. But I really believe that that prayer is, is such a powerful instrument in the kingdom of God, not only just because uh, it's an inner, it's a conversation that we're having with the Almighty, which is, whoa, like that's already crazy within itself, you right. know, and he can speak through it to, to us in prayer, like, also crazy like that that's amazing that we think about it from just a conceptual standpoint but i think what it does is it just it brings the connection from the spiritual and what god is doing to our physical world and so we are really able to then look for opportunities then to to be a part of what god is doing to participate in what god's doing because we can see in scriptures what breaks god's heart and then we can be praying about it and god can give us the opportunity to do something for the kingdom based on that conversation that we had with God. Mm-hmm. And because, and you know, a lot of times you see this in James, you see this uh, about, like, asking the Lord for wisdom. If you only need wisdom, just ask, you know, mm-hmm. and he won't turn it away. Like, so there's there's good, there's opportunities when asking is important. But the reason I just, I was kind of brought that up in conversation was that I even know my own situation, how I feel like sometimes I can manipulate what God is doing for my own gains, or, for, or try to at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so 
I guess to go f- kind of full circle with what this is, you see this kind of similar similar happening in this courtroom situation where they are they are, feel like they are they really want to just kill Paul and so they're doing an oath before the priests, you know, so they're mm-hmm. bringing something spiritual in the situation because God's going to honor this and God's going to do this and and so that's why but what we really want to do is they, they just want to kill Paul and <laughs> you know and then the 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 council too, you know, the same kind of thing like now they're caught in this big huge debate between each other and it's violent because you know really they're just trying to use religion, use religious practices, whatever God has established in their culture in that moment to for their own gain. Mm-hmm. And and I just think that that just breaks the heart of God because oh. his, his intention was not for that. His intention was not that uh, even Jesus, when he talked about oaths, and we could go a lot, go, yeah, more rabbit trails. <laughs> but I just, I just see this more as um, check my own heart when it comes to my interaction, when it comes to prayer fasting, giving, different things like that. Am I, am I really just hoping that God's going to get on board with my plans? Or am I really trying to get onto what God is doing and, and participate in what He is doing in the community, in the kingdom of God? Yeah. And I mean, I think the, the simple thing there is the Holy Spirit changes everything mm-hmm. in your relationship with Him. Because they didn't really have the Holy Spirit that they knew of to be able to just be like, what is your will? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speak to my heart. What is your will? Um, so it was just their will, and they found a way to manipulate the Absolutely. system that they existed in to get what they wanted or to mm-hmm. try to get what they wanted. Yeah. So, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do we need to go into any more application? I mean, we're pretty much, we've, we've discussed a lot. I think it's been a great, rich conversation mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, uh, Paul is taken to Felix for protection mm-hmm. and um, leading into more courtroom drama as this goes on. But um, is there anything else that you guys feel we need to address before we pray and close? I don't think so. I mean, by the time next week's podcast comes out, we'll be in the next book. And so you're going to finish the story of Paul and how he eventually gets to Caesar. And it acts ends with him still alive, but as Daniel mentioned, he is actually um, executed by Rome um, mm-hmm. eventually, and so he is a, a martyr of the of the Christian faith. He is one of the apostles that was killed. Um, but then we get into with this chapter day movement reading the letters that he wrote to churches in different cities. And I think what's cool is that um, that hinge verse on verse eleven, where the Lord gives him courage on what he's going to do in the future is that God uses it. That even though now Paul's not planting churches anymore, like he's going to be in imprisonment and he's going to be under house arrest and different things like that, uh, he is writing letters that have been that are going to be instrumental uh, for not only the, the believers in the time, but also us. We're going to read the letters that Paul mm-hmm. is writing in prison in the next coming books. And, and so I think that know that even if the situation is not panning out the way you think that God is always working and and can always do something that can just do legacy impact if we just Mm -hmm. say, all right, God, I'm just going to trust you no matter what. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's go ahead and wrap up with prayer. Um, I'll pray today, and then we'll go ahead and finish up. Awesome. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be here today to join together as brothers, as family members in your kingdom and in your name to discuss these things and to really have a, a, a deeper conversation and in hopes that this goes out to people like 
Ernie, who listen, to people who are listening to what we're saying here, um, for them to also gain a deeper understanding through us gaining deeper understanding. Um, so, God, we just thank you for that, but we thank you for um, people like Paul, and we thank you for these stories that were recorded that are passed down to us so that they don't just teach people back in that generation, but that we're still learning from them today. Um, God, we just we, we trust in you with all we do, and um, we're just happy to be here, honestly. Mm-hmm, yeah. Happy to be here and be in this position and with the ability to do these things here, God. So um, we just thank you and we lift you up and we trust you until we gather next week. Thank you, God, in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, Guys, thank you so much. Again, as always, I know it gets repetitive, but thank you for joining us. Um, Please continue to reach out to us, uh, send us emails, talk to us in person, send us texts, whatever you want to do. Um, Whatever your perspective is on what we're doing here, we would love to hear it. Um, We would love to be able to shape what we're doing um, with your help um, so that we can better provide um, a resource for you. So, If you know anybody, as I said before, if there's anybody out there who would like to come and join us in the conversation, we are always open to that um, just because we want to get more of your perspective and we want more of you to come and be a part of this movement here. So um, anyway, does anybody have anything else to say? Mm -mm. Then we'll wrap it up. Guys, we thank you as always, and we will talk to you next Tuesday.